Greetings, constant listeners. It's Michael Monroeville Mall Rothman. What you're about to hear is a clip from the Crichton cast, our Patreon-exclusive spinoff series that sees Randall Colburn and a number of guests giving the Losers Club treatment to selected works in Michael Crichton's bibliography. Last summer, the show tackled the Andromeda strain, and now it's back to plunge into the depths of 1987's Sphere. And depths they reach as Randall and Justin Gerber spend three and a half hours talking about the book's obsession with the inexplicable, Crichton's interest in human frailty, and the film adaptation's disappointing lack of a giant squid. The book also arrived the same year King released The Tommyknockers, and there are surprising parallels between the two works, all of which Randall outlines. To hear the full episode, become a member of our Patreon, The Barons, where you'll unlock hundreds of hours worth of exclusive content, from our Stephen King archival series, to our Spooky Souls Midnights, to over a dozen commentaries on all your favorite Stephen King movies, to spinoff series like Talkin' Hawkins. We also have a 24-7 Discord community where we play trivia, host watch-alongs, make friends, and, uh, you know, shoot the shit. (laughs) So what are you waiting for? Subscribe now through the link in the description of this episode, or you can visit www.patreon.com slash thebarons. Hope to see you there. Over long days and pleasant nights. I want to do a brief style sidebar here. We don't typically do, we have style or structure and format on on King books. I don't do that with Crichton because although, you know, I mean, I think with Andromeda Strain, we talked a lot about the verisimilitude, the high idea that it was presented as a scientific report. Uh, this book is not, it's very much just written kind of like a pulp, uh, uh, you know, short chapters, moves really quickly, pulp fiction, um, and well, pulp science fiction. So Samuel Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> Man, he's the best part of the movie. Sorry, spoiler <laughs> alert for our discussion of the movie. Um, okay. The Andromeda Strain was praised for avoiding the temptation to simplify issues and answers uh, because the science was, I think, so deep and so uh, layered in that book. Do we think that that is also true for Sphere? What do you think? Well, it's curious because, again, we're dealing with the smartest people in their fields. Mm-hmm. And I think it's telling the first thing you read in this book is, is the quote from the beginning, which is when the scientist views things, he's not considering the incredible at all. Yeah. Yeah. So it's possible that these issues have been simplified. Yeah. But here's the thing. Again, if Sphere was led by non-scientific characters, like a bunch of horny teens who stumbled upon the Sphere, <laughs> and they came upon these conclusions or these deductions, they deduced all these things, then maybe we could roll our eyes. But... You know, the main quartet, again, they're at the top of their fields. So yeah. to us, it may seem it may seem simple, but coming from them, I just buy it. That's the thing. And that's the I strength agree. of Crichton's, I think. It's not, yeah, yeah it, I just, I automatically believe because of the, the way that these characters are being positioned, how they get from A to B. Yeah. I don't really question it. Yeah, I agree. And uh, there's, I think the science is less imposing and less daunting in this book, and especially yeah. because... It, whereas in an Andromeda strain, that stuff would kind of unfold over multiple pages and it mm-hmm. wouldn't have a strong metaphor attached to it often. Sometimes it would, but often it would just kind of be like breaking down the science in a very scientific way. In this book, I think he's really like mastered and learned how to uh, distill this stuff for the common reader because whenever we get like a scientific breakdown, not every time, but often, it's contained to like one page of mm-hmm. a, a kind of expertly structured monologue with a really strong central metaphor that helps us, the idiot, understand it. And yeah. uh, and I think he's gotten, I think that's like 
over these years, like writing books like Congo, writing books like Terminal Man and uh, Eaters of the Dead, Great Train Robbery, uh, also working in Hollywood and understanding mm-hmm. what it takes to appeal on that level. He's really learned, I think, to distill, hone in, figure out what's important and not get lost in the details. And I think the reason scientists have a big problem with a lot of what he does is because he doesn't do it like he did in the Andromeda strain where he puts it where at least it feels to me like that was a very exhaustive sort of breakdown of the science behind all of it. Here he's like, people don't care about the little details. They want Mm -hmm. more story. And that to me is fine, but I think that's where scientists get pissed off because they say you are leaving out a very important variable, right? Um, And I do think he really tries to uh, explore all those variables. And there's, you know, we have these characters who return time and again to similar discussions. And because I think that's his way of bringing out that extra variable. But I mean, you can't include all of it and expect the reader to keep up. So I think Mm -hmm. that's sort of the... uh, the trouble or the hard thing about science fiction is that for as simple and smoothly as this book reads, uh, I think there's a real talent in that distillation. So, um, and I brought back this old quote that I actually read in the last episode, uh, but I do think it's relevant again here where Crichton says, I'm not interested in having a distinctive style because I deal with technical information. The highest goal I aspire to is clarity I don't really care if it's graceful. Yeah. And this is something he said around the time of Terminal Man and Andromeda was uh, he always understood that, you know, that clarity is the most important thing. Uh, And then, yeah, like, you know, I think when he when he released Andromeda Strain, I imagine that there was people were like, well, all of his books are going to be structured in this way. Right. Or it's like, Mm -hmm. you know. Like it's the verisimilitude aspect. And he really veered away from that. Like, and uh, he still toys, I think, with structure a little bit. Like the way he would put, the way he puts like uh, the codes in this book, right? Like the various mm-hmm. uh, circular and and pyramidal and all these like The actual monitor screens. Yeah, the monitor like screens. And, yeah. yeah, which I think is cool. So he keeps some of that stuff, but but he's he's less interested i think in the whole idea of like well everything i write needs to feel like it came from a scientific journal or something like that i'm curious here like remind me like congo terminal man having read those mm. do are those similar do they cuz i've just been so long since i've read them do they also encompass like tech speak tech babble like would you say that it's this book is cleaner than those ones in terms of how the uh, scientific stuff is unspooled I think you look at Terminal Man and Congress Bridges because there are definitely sections of that book that break down like the DNA of the the creatures, I should say, in Congo, for instance. Or they break down what's going on in the brain. Like mm-hmm. they really do break it down, like you said, Randall, by using page by page by page. And, and it works. It's fascinating because I don't know anything about any of that stuff. I'm just not really science based usually. So yeah. I'm kind of learning some things as we go along reading these books. But in terms of the structure of Andromeda Strain versus this, and this is literally the opposite of what these scientists want, because you do get some incredible detail in yeah. Andromeda Strain, and I'm much more forgiving of it because we're supposed to be reading a case file. Yeah. We're not reading a work of fiction, you know? Right. But for me, it would be like if somebody got famous doing a found footage movie. Yeah. And then just spent the rest of their careers doing found footage movies. I yeah. feel like that would get, that could, I should yeah. say it always would, but that could get stale really quick. And then you do have to change up your style eventually. And I think that that is what Crichton wisely did. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good comparison. And, you know, it makes me like it just reminds me and this is King themed, but, you know, Rob Savage did host and then he did Dashcam, Mm, which are two found footage movies back to back. And now he's doing The Boogeyman, which is a normal narrative feature. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see how he makes that pivot because he's so Mm -hmm. good at found footage, but you don't want to uh, necessarily like pigeonhole yourself there and it's i can't think of a single found footage filmmaker who actually really clung to that style i feel like they all eventually were like i want to you know pivot into something more narrative something more uh cinematic i think then well think Uh, about it randall even within wreck within the franchise they got away from found footage (laughs) i know Was that you? You told me you watched three and you liked it. Yeah, right? yeah. I, which I controversially, I guess, enjoyed. Just as oh much no, I as like it too. Even more than the second one, but uh, I think yeah. people just wanted him to be like the first two because the first two are really good. But then it's like, no, it's doing something different. And I actually think it does a good job doing something yeah. different. Um, anyways, that is our uh, rec sidebar. No, um, I am <laughs> finally <laughs> yes. No, I uh, yeah. I asked her too. Like, do we miss that verisimilitude? But I think we answered that question, which is mm. not really. Like, I I like it. I think it's cool, but. I think Sphere works much better the way that it's written. Um, I agree. Yeah, and it's, 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 it's to me, it's very deceptively simple. I think people bag on Crichton a lot for, for his prose not being complex from a literary standpoint, and I do think that's a little unfair. I do think that. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he's like. But he also didn't care about being a great writer. He just wanted to tell stories. And I do think that's really important. But he still gets bagged on all the time for not being a great writer. I mean, and I, I think yeah. there's just a difference between simple and simplistic. Mm-hmm. Like this this might be simple for the layman like ourselves who, again, are not don't have any research based in science at all. Yeah. Unless you've got something going on on the side that you haven't oh, no. told us about. Sphere 2 on its way. <laughs> But simplistic would be something like all aliens are bad, all people bad, and that's Mm -hmm. it. And there's no explanation as to why those beliefs are being presented. But this book maybe doesn't go into the greatest detail like he does in a case file version of Andromeda Strain, but he does attempt to explain the the, the, the simple takes, I think, which we can talk about later. Yeah, yeah. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.